Hi. I got a tape I want to play. Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? Your move, creep. Take me to the volcano! So why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Come with me if you want to live. This town needs an enema. Like I said, I need a bacchiatomy. Yes, that's a human ear, all right. I got a bad feeling about this. So it's come to this on... A warm, sunny afternoon day to talk about one dark night. That's right. It might be sunny and nice outside, but it's dark in it's our hearts. It's dark in our hearts. I don't know. I'm Charlie. I'm Eric. This is a movie podcast. And sometimes we like to get pretty pretty extreme on this show and talk about PG-rated horror <laughs> movies. That's right. I was thinking about it. We've talked about a few great PG horrors, like Tourist Trap. And Jaws. That's true. <laughs> the yeah. great, completely un- like misrated uh, movies of our youth. Back when there was no PG-13 and you could just get away with it, I guess. Yeah, this is one of those movies that got uh, One Dark Night from 1982. Yes. With a PG rating, just like Tourist Trap. Mm-hmm. It was perfect for afternoon <laughs> broadcast television on Saturday afternoons. And... It's just one of those too gory, too scary movies to be shown on a Saturday afternoon matinee feature. Right. It's, But it got that cult classic feel because of it. You know, it grew in legend because it was PG and it probably reached a way bigger audience because of that rating. Okay. But it's a weird movie. It's pretty cool, though. Yeah, I'd actually it never heard of this cool. movie, so I, I'm late to the party on One Dark Night. Really? Oh, so you just this was came, not a movie that you... Uh, it uh, it only really came to my attention when we originally were supposed to see it a, a year and a half ago or so. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. That was going to be uh, on the next month's. And uh, yeah, you finally got to see it on the big screen. Yes. I checked it out on the AMC Plus uh, nice. Amazon Prime there. Uh, really cool movie. One of those that I feel like could become one that becomes a comfort movie. Oh, interesting. Like, just flip that's, it on. That's like a special kind of horror movie. Yeah, just like put it on and have some fun, you know, no matter the situation. Uh-huh. You know, I well, do that with like the original Halloween. Okay. I do that with, you know, movies from the 80s and right, fun right, right. stuff Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. Well, it's like, and the, the really cool horror movies with a cool score always help. Yeah. This had a minimal score, but a really kind of great pulsing Recurring theme, you know, some low end synth. Cool atmosphere stuff. Cool atmosphere. And so, yeah, those movies like Halloween and the 80s ones, they all have those great Mm -hmm. 80s horror scores. And so, that's a good comfort movie, good background movie. And One Dark Night is this. I think the original title was Raymar, the Psychic Electricity Energy (laughs) Vampire. They're like, we got to sell that differently to the to the youth. Yeah, did not see uh, telekinesis, telekinetic being a major vampire zombie. Uh, All I knew was it. Yeah, all I knew it was that as a girl who had to spend a night in a mausoleum. Yeah, there's a few really great mausoleum horror movies, and mausoleums are a scary thing to me. Yeah, it's a weird, creepy, creepy for sure. Yeah, I don't like looking. I don't really get (laughs) it. Like, you're just supposed to bury someone six feet high in the middle of a wall? They're just in a house. So bizarre to me. In a dead person house. It's weird. Amongst rows and rows of these. You're just walking. Walls Yeah, it's one thing to go through a cemetery, and Mm -hmm. you're walking over. (laughs) 
that. Right. Everyone but seems to, be, to have their plot, though, right? But a mausoleum is like just a Costco. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, except you're just st- with dead things stacked totally. all around you. Yeah. These like white overstock. lights. It is unpleasant mm-hmm. to my sensibilities. I don't like it, they're all automatically unsettling to me. So the few mausoleum movies like Phantasm or The Ma- Mausoleum, mausoleum <laughs> yeah. really scare me. The Midnight Hour was this eight, 1985 TV movie mm. uh, that was like the first really scary thing I saw on TV. And it had like a zombies breaking out of a similar crypt mausoleum thing. Hated it. Yeah. The scariest thing I'd ever seen. I, I, I actually grew up near the uh, rural cemetery in Santa Rosa. Oh, right. And it was always fun to walk through the grounds. And, yeah. And then one time I went into the giant mausoleum they have there. Yeah. And uh, not going to do that again. Because it is just, the air is different in there. It's just cold and the death is really just staring you in the face there. It's very my kinder, unsettling. My kindergarten was directly across the street <laughs> from that cemetery. Nice. Directly oh, I know exactly across that, the yeah, street. Yeah, what you're talking about there. Uh-huh. Yeah. And we would go on day walks at least once or twice a week through the cemetery. Once we had foot races in the cemetery. Nice. Going in the mausoleums, hating all of it. Uh-huh. It was the weirdest thing, looking back. Five-year-olds, six-year-olds just running <laughs> through. I don't know what kindergarten and so i've always just been scared of mausoleums and this is a great mausoleum horror movie with few characters but great characters awesome this is a great low budget low character high atmosphere good scares movie but all the characters i love i actually thought this was going to become like a slasher because it's Uh such a high school girl's centered uh, kind of movie yeah that i was like oh is there gonna be like a killer in the mausoleum <laughs> no it was the it's if it's not gonna be a slasher it's gonna be a psychic who <laughs> intentionally died to test whether he could return from the grave right 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 right, to, right, 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 right. yeah 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 it was, so it ended up being the latter <laughs> it's kind of your uh, big trouble in little china uh, kind of effect of just a lot of electricity coming out of eyeballs and yeah. old dudes who seemingly uh and here's the thing about powers. movies with animated electricity. Oh, I love it. I love oh, every man. one of them. Yeah. Animated electricity, even if it's for a lightning flash, I love it. But electricity, you know, coming out of hands mm-hmm. or eyeballs or something. Oh, yeah. I know exactly love what it. you're talking about. Yeah. And the um, 80s did it so well. Uh-huh. I'm thinking of like Life Force <laughs> yeah. and the aforementioned Big Trouble. <laughs> yeah. It's for so For some good. reason, it's like... I. It's one of those where uh, I don't know how they do it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's just a guy drawing little lightsaber yeah. electrics. It's like, one guy just going like, "Yeah, I'm gonna make a jagged edge here." And then it's just kids drawing lightning in notebooks, I but know. on a. It's like with computers now. I'm like, yeah, of course you do some computer graphics or whatever. Uh, but yeah, back then you're like, yeah, are they painting this? Anime. <laughs> Some we paid a series of 1200 matte paintings film, to do yeah, <laughs> for lightning flipping the pages up and down like a disney cartoon animator i love it oh man i love it so much and so i didn't expect the movie to get this cool weird psychic energy beginning where one it's very scanners where one medium is seeing these visions of this procedural crime scene oh man 
What a cool beginning to a movie where nothing else in the movie is like this opening scene. Right. But yeah, it, very, very such unlike a cool the rest of the movie. Jump into the movie. You've got it, these like four or five corner vans pulling up in sync. You've got this great super this crowded apartment visual street montage. People hanging out on their balconies wanting to know what, what all the the dead the body trucks are coming <laughs> yeah. for. The meat wagons. Why they need like four <laughs> vans to what the hell could have happened. I, I was doing the same thing. I was like, what are we getting into here? Yeah. And it sets it up with this cool overdubbed. Uh, we get this cool score and this great overdub where you're almost like a <laughs> like a cool video game where you're learning the horrors of what you're about to see, like a Resident Evil thing. Like mm. you just, I just can't describe the crime scene, <laughs> sir. You have oh, to, yeah. <laughs> you have to see it for yourself. Get down here. Yeah, it's very much like Most you're about to go into Raccoon City ever. or something. Yeah, and such cool for a. You know, cheap movie that's making such a great use of what it's being, what it's low budget. The weird visuals on the undescribable crime scene with objects half sticking out of walls, you know, a, a pot and pan just sticking right. halfway through a wall. And that's before you even get to the corpses piled up in a that, closet. That shot of a bo- body pile yeah. in a closet stuffed into a closet was really jarring. I was like, Five minutes not in, ready for five that. minutes into a PG movie. Not ready for that. There's a closet full of various stages of decaying women. Like really real looking. Though. <laughs> yeah. Like what? <laughs> yeah. Like somehow just like really doesn't look staged or like for a movie. Just looks like they walked in on <laughs> a dude had been throwing There's bodies a... into a corner for a couple <laughs> weeks. Lucked out on a on a bloodied up apartment. So weird. Uh, this movie is all about using real dead bodies, <laughs> as you find out uh, 90 minutes later. But what a jump into this PG movie. Like, hold on to your seats. And then it comes instantly into this, like you said, you think it's going to be a teen slasher movie. Because we get a cool cast of teens. Cool high schoolers. We Suddenly get, the movie yeah. is a cool high school movie. And I love it. Well, it it almost turns into like Grease for a second because <laughs> yeah. you've got the oh, the, the sisters. sisters. You've got this gr- high school clique of girls with their matching jackets, all of the pink ladies. Is that that's not a thing, right? I hope is that not. a thing because that's a thing in movies a lot. I've have, never known a group. It must have been a thing in my school that had like that went out and got jackets. Did you ever know though like cuz uh, I had a girlfriend in high school and she had like this very tight trio friendship right. like a tr- like a trio of girls sure. and <laughs> none of them seemingly had anything to do with each other but they were like the best friends <laughs> since forever, right? Okay. And it's just yeah, that reminded me very the the, the three sisters. Mm-hmm. Uh Carol, you've Kitty. got EG Daly oh, as yeah. Leslie and Kitty, yeah. Uh that reminded me a lot of the that Click. Okay. But as Good far as mix. matching jackets. Matching like jackets. Accepting new members as a thing. Recruiting members. Yeah. I didn't I wasn't a member of a, a like a secret club that had jackets yeah, that yeah. we brazenly wore at our school. <laughs> like people knew we were a gang. Oh, you'd, you'd get beat up if you did yeah. that. <laughs> I'm not wearing my matching jackets with my friends to the mall. Are you like kidding the, me? The varsity team's wearing their Letterman's on Friday, and you show up with your like <laughs> my satin jackets with my boys. You're like me and the tromboners here, right? <laughs> this was not that much earlier than when I went to to high school. Yeah, 
and me, yeah, me and my my jazz club boys weren't showing up in our black jackets with music scales on the back. No, can't imagine I, that a world can't where that be a happens. Thing. No, but it's a thing a lot in in movies, and I am here for it. <laughs> I am cool with getting to experience the idea of being like. So if I do this one more thing, then I get the lavender sisters jacket. Then you're in. Then you're in. Yeah. Then you get to ride around with them doing nothing all day. Just smoking J's. Not sure what the sisters do. They got to ride. Or why Meg Tilly as Julie wants to join the sisters. Yeah, she. there's a real brief explanation where she like gets into a teenage fight with her boyfriend after that sweet hanging out with my boyfriend montage uh-huh. with them on like bumper boats. <laughs> Just having a day at the carnival. Just yeah, day at the, at the day at the pier, Santa Monica Pier. Just just running around, yeah. holding hands, running through seagulls. Young love. Yeah, loving it. But her boyfriend, the jock, is the ex of Carol, the head of the sisters. And she wants to be in the group. You want to be Carol? in the group that with your and boyfriend's ex, who clearly is still it's a mean girls thing, man. It's so weird. Because the girls don't get meaner than Carol. Oh my god. Carol's a sociopath. This girl. Carol's evil. This Carol's hot and knows what she can get away with, and she wants to get away with everything because she's crazy. (laughs) Carol is the most manipulative, evil, cutting person. She, in this movie, knows exactly... The thing to say to just shut someone down, make make them just, and just feel like an like an asshole. Yeah, she is just so mean. The queen of manipulation. Oh, I love her. She uh, beats up on poor Kitty, who's got that great trait of chewing on her toothbrush. Now that is a new one. That's a new <laughs> one. Giving the character a you chewing a toothbrush, just gnawing on a bright yellow toothbrush. I was the whole like, time. surely we're gonna get an explanation for this, and then. The explanation is, I just like the way it tastes. <laughs> I was like, that's not enough. That's All right. not enough. I mean, there was a girl in my school that like sucked her thumb in the sixth grade. You know, people carry weird things into older years. I just wonder if that was the, the actress's choice or the director's like, no, no I, you're going to have to have this toothbrush in your mouth. It was uh, <laughs> the guy actually, McLaughlin based it on a friend of his. Oh, really? She said she had to ride Muni at night for her job, and she said uh, she thought it would make her look like a weirdo <laughs> that wouldn't be bothered if she had just if she was just casually brushing her teeth like on the right. bus. See, now that explanation should have been in the movie. <laughs> Why was that not in the movie? <laughs> they didn't want to get too like broaching sexual assault <laughs> I don't, as yeah. a means of a I character just, trait. It just makes me look like a weirdo. I like that. But, okay, okay. I don't know. I it. So it's when I would see that uh, as a movie that was kind of you know maybe on once flipping through channels on you know these Saturday afternoon movies, so my mom would go through toothbrushes every week because she would do all a lot of chores in the morning, but she would start brushing her teeth, and then she'd be like making coffee and loading the dishwasher, and she would just be chewing on her toothbrush the, the whole. Fuck? Time. She would brush her teeth Why? for like forty five minutes. Heard of this. Yeah, you now have stories about two different people who <laughs> chewed toothbrushes <laughs> in real life, and I'm like, that's not a thing that can happen. And you're like, no, the director's friend and my mom. <laughs> yeah, my mom. What? <laughs> yeah, man. I'm her, in the dark here. Her in- toothbrushes <laughs> would be like the bristles would be laying flat, like they'd be a comb over. Because she would just have this. She would just be chewing on the this wife thing of all the morning. dentist is just chewing on a toothbrush, just gnawing all day. on these things. It's so weird. Oh my! Never God. got it. 
I, so when I, feel I see like somebody, I, I feel like I've just hit a blind spot in my man, life where it's like maybe, I this think is I, a thing. I know why I connect with One Dark Night so well. <laughs> Apparently, you know. Um, but it's such a weird group of girls that are so cool. I love Elizabeth Daly. I love Dottie so much. That's a movie yeah. I watched a lot. And so Definitely. Elizabeth Daly is early love of my movie watching life. And so she's so great in these early 80s movies like mm-hmm. Valley Girl. And see, getting to see her in a horror movie that's not Rob Zombie. Hmm. Right. <laughs> you know, she's been in a lot from Devil's Rejects on. She's been in a few. But she wasn't doing tons of eighties horror. So this is no, this no, is like yeah. it. And I love it. She's a real good voice of reason. In the group of mean girls, she's the one that's seeing she's maybe the one we're that, going too far yeah. with this. Like, why are we still doing this? Yeah, because the whole plan is to uh, get at Julie, the yeah, current girlfriend of her of her ex. Mm-hmm. Uh Carol wants to send Julie to the mausoleum for a night. Which is it's a real this whole mausoleum prank outside of being mean there's a lot of just unnecessary stuff like they just tell her to bring a sleeping bag yeah no food no pillow <laughs> like not a paperback not your homework <laughs> the, well they don't tell her where she's going either right yeah when, when she gets in the car and so she's kind of like uh what are we doing and they're like just relax just it's relax okay. it's okay but it's yeah. it's fine man it's not gonna be a 12 hour night in a mausoleum or anything with no form with nothing of, to do nothing to do um, I, nothing w- when you see her just sitting there i'm going man i would have killed for a cell phone back in that right like in that situation that's another thing i can't imagine doing something like that now let alone in a scary mausoleum <laughs> if i was just told to to sit in a bathroom <laughs> right in my home for with, 12 hours with nothing to do that would be awful. That would be tough. It would be excruciating. It would be so uncomfortable, first thing. It would be awful. And, and this is awful. You Still, Julie does it, though. Like, and Julie's so she wants, wants that jacket. She wants that jacket, sister. I don't get it. I mean, maybe we didn't have schools that had satin jacket gangs. And maybe if you find yourself in a school that has a satin jacket gang, you realize how rare of an opportunity that is. Mm-hmm. You and I have never seen one. I guess one. so. So this is one of those schools. So, oh, shit, you transfer in and they got a satin jacket gang? I need in. Even if the leader of the gang is your boyfriend's jealous ex. Jealously hateful ex. <laughs> who these girls also don't seem like they want to hang out with her at all. Oh, no. So I don't. So it has to be for the jacket. Because <laughs> she can't be just wanting to just... Smoke Jays in a in a car. Yeah, none them. of them seem to get along at all. Mm-mm. None of the sisters, which is kind of why it reminded me of my girlfriend's friend group, <laughs> who clearly didn't Three really like each other totally that much, did. but had just been friends since second grade. <laughs> <laughs> it had nothing in common. We're all all three holding each other back from all doing what they being with the people they actually could have gotten. Along they just kind of went on their own ways after high school. Yeah, yeah. yeah high school. These kind of high school friends. Uh, you look back to these people that you bought satin custom jackets with, and really, once you get out of high school, for the most part, it's like, oh, we we had high school in common. Right. Exactly. Right. I can't believe I bought this jacket, and. Uh, but yeah, just to get a jacket, sleeping a night in a mausoleum, no. I think that I, that would have been just me going, yeah, you know, you can take me home. We're good. Yeah, you know what? I'll find I another group. I think I'm quitting. Yeah, the, the stones the on, on Meg Tilly. And it really became, I think this had to be one of her first roles. She's very mm-hmm. young here. 
I'd be surprised if she was not 18 or she's young. Well, I read that she was going to be a dancer. And okay. is like the main dancer in like fame or, or some early movie oh, like that. Okay. But then got injured, went into went straight into acting. acting. Well, so this would have been one I mean, of the first. We're yeah. lucky. I love for two people we've I don't think at all talked about on the podcast yet, this deep into it. I love the Tilly sisters. Yeah. They have yeah. been a gift to genre films and just fun roles for 30, 40 years now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jennifer Tilly's so associated now with the Chucky franchise. Right. right. Four different movies. But Meg Tilly did One Dark Knight, Psycho 2, the really great Abel Ferrara, Mm. Body Snatchers. Like, very cool, underrated horror queen, Meg Tilly, because her performance in all three of those movies is awesome. But One Dark Knight is probably the best. And I think she's great. It's a lot to because by the time she gets into the mausoleum, again, she got nothing to do. She has nothing to do. She has no one to no, talk yeah. to. She has no like uh, no one to like develop a character against. Yes. So you just kind of see her wandering a mausoleum for twenty minutes and like kind of go to sleep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was the part of the movie where I was like, <laughs> I had checked. It was like we're like a half hour in. I was like, I was like, what happened to the tele- telekinetic guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, we I was enjoying the girls. I was enjoying the, the the sisters, but then like I'm like, so he's buried in the mausoleum. I know that much. So when does that start happening? I really like the the way the movie doesn't explain the telekinesis until the end because it keeps us distracted with the central plot of a girl being trapped somewhere. It's like two separate horror stories. You know, right. it's the, just the girl getting scared, being alone in the dark. But then having the reason to be scared that's completely unexpected by everybody. So it's this great double horror movie going on at the same time where there's these seemingly, you know, this whole background of Raymar, the psychic energy vampire. Yeah. Is being told in these tiny bits and pieces to us. And we're kind of learning about mysterious tapes and getting visits from... who we think is his daughter. It's his daughter. Yeah, I, I want to say Just a, Olivia. a whole other very complicated subplot <laughs> about Raymar unfolding yeah. when all we're seeing in the mausoleum is like a c- occasional cracking on right. his tomb Yeah, you're, where you're, he was buried you know earlier something's that. Up. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you keep cutting to his daughter and then Adam West as oh, her husband, man. Alan. Uh, then them just kind of like mourning and... Being like, all right, well, time to go to bed. And then she kind of Evil Dead style plays a tape that explains everything. Right. That was given to her by a man who wrote like telekinetic vampire journals. Very different movies happening at the same time. Yeah, very. I also like in the credits when they have uh, and Adam West as Alan. Okay. All right. I will keep an eye out for Alan. And then when you see me like, that must be Alan. Why do they do that? I I don't know why they do that. It's all... Depending on the level of star, and then it's, Alan, it's something decided upon ahead of time in contracts how you're yeah. going to be introduced. I mean, I get it if it's like as the president or uh-huh. something like that. <laughs> as no. Alan, the but most Alan, inconsequential dude who in goes the whole to movie. bed and doesn't show up for the rest of the movie. Okay, yeah. so Alan <laughs> Alan's is like, this is crazy. I'm going to bed. Alan is pretty much exactly <laughs> what I would picture um, Rick Dalton becoming. Oh, yeah. By the 80s. I see that. Because Adam West had a hard time in the 70s not being associated with Batman. Right. 
And so his whole 70s is just one-off episodes of alias Smith and Jones or, you know, just TV, no features. And then, oh, Rick Dalton doing horror movies in 1982. You know what would happen. And it's such a funny, I am only here because I'm the recognizable name Mm -hmm. in this movie. And to blatantly just say, as Alan. (laughs) As Alan. No, no, there's never been just a guy that everybody, oh, Alan? The one notorious Alan? Just say, and Adam West in the credits. We'll know. Yeah. We'll get it. Yeah. All right, cool. Adam West. Yeah, special character appearance by, just, Ad, you know, some big thing. Yeah, they always do Adam that. West. Save it for the big, you know, there's always, we're getting to the names we don't recognize, and then there's the pause where we're done with the names, and then you get hit with the, and Adam West. <laughs> and that's when you and your friend go, oh, shit. Oh, okay. Keep an eye out. Instead, now we're like, Alan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is Because Al- it's one thing if you're like, here's the first time I saw this movie, I swear. When I saw as Alan, my brain immediately was like, this Alan guy is going to be pretty important. Exactly. You think, <laughs> okay, keep an eye out for Alan. Keep an eye out for Alan. And when, so I had Whenever my, Alan's not on screen, the other characters should be saying, where's Alan? Where, <laughs> I had my eagle eye on Alan for the whole, like, 45 minutes. You're like, all this guy is doing is just throwing a wrench into this. Like, he is being just so unhelpful and then just going to bed. And he's given these funny, great Adam West lines like, all right, fella, get off my property. <laughs> <laughs> or just like at the end of a day where you've gone to your wife's dad's funeral, he's just like, well, it's been a long day. <laughs> Gonna hit the sack. <laughs> just yeah. Like, <laughs> as casual as can be. I love the one line where he's like, stop with the telekinesis. <laughs> <laughs> just sick of his wife's shit about her telekinesis vampire father. Oh, you heard a tape. Oh, my God. Oh, he was found with seven just, bodies in his he's closet. He's like doing his taxes all angry dad style. <laughs> right. Poor. Flipping, flipping the newspaper down that he's trying to read. I know, man. It's such a like, well, I, we could get Adam West for this, you know, hook him up with a feature gig. I like it. Yeah. It adds, it adds color to a movie that already has a lot of color. It's a really, I like how the plot unfolds and really comes together in our insane climax. It's a, it's a weird journey and you're wondering why we're seeing some of this extended stuff. But on rewatching it, now that I've seen this film a few times, uh, I like our long, quiet scenes with Meg Tilly walking through this mausoleum before things go mm-hmm. To hell. I like, yeah, and I, these, I like that it's these, a thing that builds to a these climax. These gradual atmospheres and her acting for the final 45 minutes of this movie is essentially no words. Right. It's screaming or gasping or making scared whimperings. And she's been drugged. So like yeah, she's, she's got, kind of got this out of it uh, aspect to the uh, to the performance. Too. Yeah, that's... A, man, giving a girl a sleeping pill so she'd sleep through the night, it turns out to be Demerol. That's an extra great mean girl like mm-hmm. dig in the prank. What, what, how awful... She's she's not gonna have any idea what's going on. That's a great added thing to the movie. Mm-hmm. Outside of this poor girl just being scared in the dark. Well, then yeah, they they don't just leave her there. The, uh, Carol and the, the gang minus yeah. Leslie when she gets kicked out. Leslie gets a conscience, but her and Kitty go to scare her specifically. They get the the masks. Yeah, the plan her. was just rubber masks and sheets, and just freak her out in the middle of the night, not yeah. just leave her alone. Which uh, they don't know the place has. The, the psychic energy. They vampire. didn't know they about didn't the know telekinetic about guy. No, the, the no. woman Adam West is uh, getting in the way of that woman <laughs> telling him. 
But Meg Tilly has to carry so much of this movie by doing, you know, just running down hallways mm-hmm. or running into rooms and shutting a door. And I love the her gradual fear and how she's laughing at stuff and she's just kind of walking around reading some names and then starts to have gradually more scared reactions. Something tips over, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> a, a candlestick uh, lighter tips over and she laughs at herself. She had a great reaction when Leslie had given her a flashlight. And it turned out to be loaded with a prop snake. Yes, love Would that little bit. Love that gag. And her reaction seemed like the reaction of someone that had no idea a snake was going to be in that flashlight. <laughs> the way Meg Tilly jumps and then immediately starts laughing at herself for, yeah. for jumping at that is such a great character moment. Perfectly done. For, for Julie. Yeah. And so it's just a not an easy role. It need a specific kind of actress to pull this off. And Meg Tilly is a great horror choice for this. One of my favorite, most sympathetic scream queens. Mm. You know, really, man, she's already just alone with no, nothing to eat. And then she's been drugged just to get a jacket. And then a vampire that can control <laughs> bodies from the beyond the grave is just locked in the building with her. This is a bad bad run of luck and it could have been dumb yeah one long dark night one long dark night (laughs) instead it gets turned into this really great trauma performance by her like i was scared when it would show her face hiding Mm. under the church pew or it was a great performance in the middle of kind of a silly movie Mm -hmm. but kind of a cool movie it's a great balance of all those things silly cool scary yeah definitely and it's just so charming. The longer it goes, I'm, I'm, I get so into this kind of a movie, this weird PG kind of movie. But once we get into more of our horror in the second half, and the bad things start happening in the mausoleum, I think it's great. I think this ramps up into some of the all-time classic stuff in horror, especially the twenty-minute finale. Right. Yeah. We, once we the girls are locked in there with her, breaking into a window in the back. Once the the other sisters are in there, and the movie starts, then they trying to go find them in the mausoleum. Mm-hmm. When the boyfriend finds out, once more and more people get into the mausoleum and shit goes down, this movie is incredible. Right. And our our psychic vampire finally starts breaking out of the crypt, <laughs> and the the cool purple light, the purple light coming out of the cracks. Oh, of the, the purple tint on mm-hmm. everything once the energy vampire's out and moving shit is so good. I heard a great story that the energy vampire, it turns out the guy who made the practical effects for this movie, years before, he had a mold of Christopher Walken. Hmm. For Christopher Walken was as famous. Okay. But he had done it for another movie. And so he used the Christopher Walken mold to ah. do Raymar's face. Look at try and picture again, yeah. try and picture Christopher Walken if he was in the the Land of Confusion video. Okay. Yeah, once <laughs> you know, once we finally see Raymar's corpse, he kind of yeah, he looks like the that guy that sells Homer the monkey paw. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> you know, these great plasticky, rubbery digital effects, which is cool, going from the girls' rubber masks mm-hmm. to scare him, and here's this bunch of rubber mask, gross zombies in here. This movie used a lot of real corpses. Is that right? It used a lot of man skeletons. Mm. Just like the poltergeist 
Yeah, rumor. yeah. This movie, because of that, got a lot of comparisons to Poltergeist. I did not know that. It was made a year before Poltergeist, mm-hmm. but had took you know was was way cheaper and took way longer to edit. Right, right. So Poltergeist came out way earlier. This movie got directly compared as a Poltergeist ripoff because of all the bodies Interesting. popping up. But this was its own thing, and it is scary yeah. for a PG movie. Once all of the zombies start coming out of the walls. It scares me, man. Yeah, I like that you you know whether it was because of the budget or just the uh, the choice to not really have the bodies animated moving like zombies, life like, but just to have them basically like they're on a conveyor belt coming they're at just you, floating like a mannequin. The shots that just, of these that's freaky. Wet various stages of decomposed bodies. Like with their feet and legs dragging forward on yeah, the ground, yeah. just like you moving on a conveyor belt, like you said, is some of the scariest <laughs> stuff I've seen in a horror movie. Let alone a PG horror movie. And I get the movie has no language, mm-hmm. no nudity, except a brief side boob of Carol mm. when she's putting the final manipulative so squeeze brief. on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and they're like, "Nah, that's just that's just from behind side boob. That's PG. <laughs> we can do that." And the squishy wetness of this goop slopping off all these bodies that's just that's like an r rating for me right there mm. you get all these skulls getting crushed in and jaws mandibles hanging loose with like sloppy zombie tongue yeah yeah that's gross that's shit good man good this stuff. ain't pg it's Worms. disgusting there's one part where uh, kitty kicks through one and her leg oh, goes kicks through, through his it chest cavity all the yeah. worms come out of it Oh, oh yeah. yeah. The second you kick Real worms the too, chest cavity in of a corpse and hundreds of squirming maggots pour out oh. of this cavity onto her bare leg. At who at the rating <laughs> did somebody at the rating board just go out to get a sandwich? <laughs> and they're like kept one dark night running. Like it was on a reel like, and they're yeah, like happening. they're like, No, 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 yeah, she's just walking around. Don't stop it for me. I'm gonna go. That is the only explanation. The maggot scene is, that gets you a rating. That's yeah. gross. That's an adult situation. But there is, it keeps going far. You keep seeing, thinking you're seeing the grossest thing. And I kind of love how the PG rating, it's more tame, sure, mm-hmm. than it could have been. But it also kind of works the opposite way, that it lures you into a kind of more of a, well, it's PG. Hmm. Like, what are we going to really see in PG? So when it gets grosser and grosser, <laughs> it's almost plays even more harshly just because you're less expecting it in a PG movie. When you get skin getting melted off faces yeah. by psychic energy with eyeballs getting melted out of faces, you can't melt eyeballs out of people's faces can't do that, in man. a PG movie. Moana is a PG movie now. <laughs> You know, if you watch Soul, that's a PG movie. You can't. Not, not a lot of melting eyeballs. In and those, it's this great, saying. like, I do love the fact that all of these movies that had those ratings just get grandfathered in. So Jaws has always been PG. You know, Tourist yeah, yeah. Trap has always been PG. Even in 2021, those movies, like, hey, well, I said. It must have just been because they were already, like, dead bodies getting you know melted dead up bodies getting desecrated like, it had to finally be like a few years later when steven spielberg's like taking a beating heart out of a dude and they're like okay hold <laughs> yeah, on. all right buddy hold on we need to come up with something else here spielberg i i never thought how far he pushed body horror he's 
he pushed the low end ratings he of body it. horror. <laughs> wow. Because yeah, you don't you don't have zombies coming to life, uh, ripping these girls apart or anything. They're, they just they just they uh, just fall. They, they just fall on them. you. They just come at you like a swarm. And yeah, that's just also very disturbing. But it really. It really does play upon. It's the weird fear. Funerals are weird for me anyway. Mausoleums are weirder for me. And just the idea of like a like me sitting in a a mausoleum wearing my nicest suit, like in a box. It's weird. It's really weird. I want to be ashes. I don't mm. want my body just sitting somewhere wearing my favorite like cat shirt. Yeah, you know, like wearing sunglasses or something. Like it looks cool in his casket. <laughs> no. Please don't. So already that's weird. So when you're getting all the zombies all wearing their suits and the kids that are buried with their doll. Yeah, yeah. That's a sick addition. And women in their wedding dresses. You know, really great attention to detail. Not just making them skeletons. Actually Mm -hmm. showing like, you know, oh yeah, people get buried in their nicest. So you have these wedding dresses caked with slop. Yeah. From these foot dragon zombies. There's... One of the, I think the scariest shot in the movie is when, when Kitty and Carol, who are so malicious, when their fear starts turning real and they start becoming the scared ones and the more scared they get and the more closer they're, they're like crying and hugging each other. We've seen Carol be so mean. And suddenly when we see her so scared, right, there's this shot of, kitty crying over carol's shoulder and carol's facing the back of a dead end and uh Mm. kitty's the one facing the dark hallway of the mausoleum and you just hear that dragging sound of just something dragging on the floor and you're in a dead end the way he shot that man i'm scared yeah and Uh. when she's seeing it emerge out of the dark it's as good as that you know michael myers emerging out of the Mm. shadows you know in the closet i think one dark night is just one of those movies that really effective stuff like you said it could become a a comfort movie Mm -hmm. i've seen it several times now and it's just one that i love more and more i love the huge climax i love seeing the pg zombies skin getting peeled off and corpse bodies getting their maggoty flesh kicked in all with this story of a girl that just wanted to be accepted just wanted to be part of the gang jacket just wanted it (laughs) it's great tying it into you know i can see why meg tilly got an oscar nomination a couple years after this Mm. for agnes of god playing a a a nun who has a baby by accident oh (laughs) Uh, an unsolved pregnancy nun movie and she was amazing in it and so you see her in this horror movie and the method way she just gets into these scares this is a woman that looks scared for 40 minutes of this movie had to be a tough physical mental role right and i always admire when actress and actors put themselves through that kind of no i'm actually scaring myself and i'm hating this feeling of being claustrophobic and really adds the to the performance of a movie that didn't even cost a million dollars and was supposedly written as a tax write-off ah Uh uh-huh Foreign investors investing in a uh, $800,000 horror movie. That's movies. That's it, baby. <laughs> That's how you get to make your horror movie. Yeah. And then go on to make Friday the 13th 6. 
Oh, is that what this guy did later? Yeah. Okay. Which, I meant to look up uh, Tom McLaughlin. McLaughlin had a cool career. This was like his first big thing, and he did it all. You know, wrote, edited, directed, wrote it with a buddy, hmm. and uh, this was a huge passion project. He wanted to make these movies, and I think he'd had some other kind of serious drama that bombed, hmm. so he thought, oh, horror movies sell, and so they wrote this horror movie, found this maybe sketchy financing, and it led to a cool career, yeah, because Friday 6 is, I mean, you could say it's the best. That's a fun one. It's at least top three. Yeah. Uh, another Jay- another, another comfort one. movie. Uh-huh. Like, that would definitely be on, on the list of Friday Laughlin the 13th might have two of them, movies. huh? Yeah. But he weirdly did this cool pivot. He kind of just fell into this TV movie career by doing this really popular TV movie that I don't think, it's not like he signed up for as his personal project. Yeah, He just yeah. said, you know, the guy for... Oh, yeah, you can direct this. Got the gig. And it was called In a Child's Name, and it drew huge ratings. Like Mm. the top-rated show the week that it aired. One of those Valerie Bertinelli Mm -hmm. 90s uh, TV movies of the week. Huge ratings, and that just got him nothing but gigs. So he went from making one of his own movies every four years to making like three TV movies every year. Crazy. And getting Emmys and stuff. So this guy has two of the coolest horror movies of the 80s. Went on to work with TV gods like Brian <laughs> Dennehy and Craig T. Nelson in oh, the 90s. Yeah. yeah, he did like a crazy horror climate change movie Ooh. with Craig T. Nelson where we're in like an apocalypse due to sudden climate change. That was in 95. He was making that. So pretty interesting ideas. The better, the more well-known he got as a TV movie director, the more personal hmm. gigs he could get. So pretty neat career for a guy that, we have a lot of cool horror guys that branch out in weird ways. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Go see One Dark Night. It's streaming a lot of places. Mm-hmm. It's on Tubi. You know, watch it in a choppy, ugly print if you can. Dark Mausoleum looks great on a shitty VHS print. Sure, yeah. But this just has that kind of charm. It's a great era. It does, yeah. Great, that's... great girls, great cast, great Scream Queen Meg Tilly performance. It, I love it. It's one I love more and more every time I see it. Oh, it keeps go. climbing up my list. Absolutely, yeah. I uh, yeah, I liked all parts of it. I liked the character work. <laughs> I liked the ending. I love a movie that takes its time to build to a satisfying climax and uh-huh. delivers. There, it's real. It's a complicated story that you could tell they're really confident in. Because mm-hmm. if this was produced by a studio, I'm pretty sure they would have had to change things or, you know, cut up the story differently. Focus more on the girls, or you know, it would be so different. And so it's more personal this way and just, I don't know, I get into that more. Mm-hmm. Plus you got Meg Tilly wearing bad fitting Nancy from Elm Street <laughs> pants. Yeah, really. Just these rough blue hippie pants. And the Love. jackets. And the jackets. Oh. Do it for if, the jackets. If nothing else. You got to see those jackets. We got to get satin jackets. Oh, man. Some sick jackets. Some, some so it's come to this yeah. purple satin jackets. Oh, yeah. It's got to be <laughs> lavender with the yeah. red underpiping. Yeah, it came to this. It did come to this. I'm Eric. I'm Charlie. Thank you for listening. Good night.